Hello, and welcome to this FRDH podcast. I'm Michael Goldfarb. The gap between historical facts and interpretation of their causes and subsequent effects is what makes talking about history fun. Here's a fact. In August 1945, the U.S. detonated two atomic bombs over Japan, killing at least 129,000 people in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Interpretation of subsequent effect? There has been no direct confrontation between the great powers since then. We call the competition for domination between the U.S. and USSR over the next 45 years the Cold War for a reason. It never resulted in direct military confrontation. Why? Because both sides were armed to the teeth with thermonuclear arsenals and delivery systems that could have annihilated each other and much of the planet. Here's another fact. A hundred years ago precisely, October 25th in the old-style Russian calendar, November 7th in our calendar, the Bolsheviks seized power in Russia in the last phase of a revolution. Interpretation of subsequent effect, the resulting totalitarian tyranny, Stalinism, was such an overwhelming catastrophe, there has been no true revolution in the great powers since. The Bolshevik revolution is to political change what nuclear weapons are to warfare, the ultimate deterrent. The question on this hundredth anniversary of the Russian Revolution is what happens to a society when you take violent overthrow of the government by the governed as a last resort out of the equation? How does it affect a society's ability to respond to the inevitable changes wrought by the passage of time? Economic, political, social pressures build up as decades pass. These pressures weaken and deform the political system Certainly it deforms the politicians who work in that system. What happens then? To paraphrase Langston Hughes, do generations of dreams deferred dry up like raisins in the sun or fester like sores, or do they explode? Is it even possible to hold off the explosion? In warfare, the U.S. and USSR were able to release pressure in their global conflict for dominance by using proxies to fight wars. The Cold War was a shooting war in Africa, Southeast Asia, and Latin America. That safety valve doesn't exist in domestic politics. The Soviet Union didn't come to an end via revolution. The leadership declared bankruptcy, left the key in the door for the mortgage holder to take over the property, and walked away. The overwhelming violence in which the Soviet Union was born and its ultimate failure has obscured our ability to think about revolution clearly. It's wrong to judge revolutions by whether they succeed or fail. Virtually all revolutions fail. Either they fail literally and are reversed by forces of reaction, or they fail metaphorically by compromising their lofty goals. Revolutions never take place in a vacuum. Surrounding nations will exert whatever force they can to maintain the regional status quo. This force can deform a revolution. In the English-speaking world, we learn that the French Revolution failed because it so quickly became a reign of terror. At least that's what I grew up thinking. But when I researched my book, Emancipation, I found that the situation was more complex. English speakers don't learn about the two years of very ennobling debates that followed the fall of the Bastille in 1789 as the revolutionaries set up a constitution-writing National Assembly. 
For two years, the best minds in France, including many aristocrats and prominent bishops, worked at creating a republican framework for a modern society. The guillotine was not in use. Terror was not part of the political lexicon. The Constitution, completed in the autumn of 1791, included the granting of civil rights to France's largest minority, the Jews, and to people of African descent. In terms of the late 18th century, it was a remarkably forward-looking document. All the while this political process was going on, imperial armies were massing on all the borders of France. The end of monarchical government on the European continent was something no king or emperor could tolerate. We never ask how the prospect of war might have hastened the revolution's slide to terror. A similar process was repeated in 1917 in Russia, only it unfolded more rapidly. There was no two-year period of constitutional debate. Outside powers immediately backed anti-Bolshevik factions. Civil war raged. We never reflect that the American Revolution succeeded in part because it took place an ocean away from the mother country and so was able to consolidate itself comparatively peacefully. The fairest way to assess the impact of a revolution is by the fact that it happened at all. Revolutions represent tectonic shifts in society, terrible rupturings that create decisive breaks with the past. Some nations are more geologically active than others. France has incorporated revolution into the fabric of its society. It's not blasé about this. When social pressures bring enough people into the street to avoid the raw bloodshed and unintended consequences of revolution, parliaments are dissolved, elections called, constitutions rewritten, new republics declared. They start over again. France is on its fifth republic. America has had only one revolution since its initial one, the Civil War. Civil War is a form of revolution. Most academic historians see Civil War as a byproduct of revolution because often, after the initial overthrow of a government, factions begin fighting among themselves or neighboring countries arm the former government's supporters in the hopes of creating a counter-revolution, as happened in Russia. But really, revolution and Civil War are linked they are a single process. Revolution is a form of civil war. Civil war is a form of revolution. The Confederate States seceding from the Union was a form of revolution, with all the bloodshed that makes revolution such a drastic expression of political and economic grievance. Although the New York Times in 1861 insisted secession was a form of rebellion, not revolution, because rebellions are generally wrong, Revolutions are always right. Interesting distinction. Revolution, the editorialist goes on, is a splendid and imposing spectacle. It unites, in the same act, some of the highest properties of our nature. It achieves the double purpose, not only of punishing the oppressor, but also relieving the oppressed. The Bolshevik Revolution put pay to that kind of idealistic interpretation of revolution, in doing so, it removed a crucial safety valve that allows societies to adjust to pressures that build up over time. Time. What is the best way to measure historical time? A generation? An era? An epoch? I think it's a grandfather's age.
around 70 years, you first begin to understand about the past from your grandparents. I did. They embody history. They tell you stories about how it was when they were your age, all the things they have endured, small, important anecdotes that first give you a sense of your connection to the past. In the American case, until recently, the personal progress made from poverty to the middle class. Seventy years, a grandfather's age. Seventy years is how long the USSR lasted. It's the amount of time that it takes for pressures to build up that lead to revolution. That's something at least one Bolshevik understood. The failure of Soviet communism, Stalinism, whatever you wish to call it, has ruined our ability to acknowledge that among the Bolsheviks were some very smart men, including Leon Trotsky. I've been rereading Trotsky's History of the Russian Revolution, written in 1930, after he had lost his power struggle with Stalin. Trotsky's name is now attached to wretched dead-enders on the left, and so he is disregarded, but he has some good points to make, and he's a brilliant stylist. Trotsky writes in that book, The point is that society does not change its institutions as need arises, the way a mechanic changes his instruments. On the contrary, society actually takes the institutions which hang upon it as a given, once and for all. For decades, criticism by the opposition is nothing more than a safety valve for mass dissatisfaction, a condition of the stability of the social structure. Entirely exceptional conditions, independent of the will of people and parties, are necessary in order to tear away from this discontent the fetters of conservatism and bring the masses to insurrection. Well. The word masses has become so freighted over the last century that it calls too much attention to itself. But if you substitute the word people without the definite article, the, it does make a little more sense. Bring people to insurrection. It's hard to look at the United States these days without thinking of this passage. The U.S. has enjoyed a grandfather's age of comparative stability since the end of World War II. Perhaps the whole system can no longer bear the new exceptional conditions post-crash. The end of employment, the judicial empowerment of America's oligarchs to warp the political process. Reporting the 2016 election, I met many in the U.S. who were voting for Donald Trump, completely aware of his unsuitability for high office, but for whom normal opposition politics, as Trotsky wrote, no longer allowed them to express their dissatisfaction with society. So they voted for Trump, expecting him to blow up the status quo. Presentationally, at least, Trump has done all they asked, and this may be part of the reason his supporters remain unswayable. Perhaps the U.S. is undergoing another revolution as we watch. Unlike the Bolsheviks, a hundred years ago, it has no coherent ideology or central organizing issue. Perhaps the society is tiptoeing towards civil war, a form of revolution, blocked only by the thought that, like nuclear war, a revolution today would bring about the end of American civilization. It's very odd on the 100th anniversary of the Bolshevik Revolution to be thinking of the U.S. in this way. And that's all for this FRDH podcast. I'm not always in this kind of mood, so why don't you visit the website www.goldfarbpod.com and listen to some of my other pieces, and you can make a donation to keep these podcasts coming. Thanks. <laughs>